The voices depicted in this program are of actors and not of the actual participants involved in the trial. Hi, I'm Lise Wheel, and this is Wheel of Justice, Episode 1, The Cal and Michelle Harris Story. Michelle Harris was beautiful, outgoing, and funny when she met her future husband, Calvin Harris. She was working as a secretary at a car dealership that was owned by Cal Harris's brother. Now, Cal was the son of a wealthy car dealership owner, and he had become quite a high-profile businessman in his own right. Michelle, a young and vibrant woman, and Cal, a man who stood out as a lacrosse player in high school and college, and who had a lot of power in a small town, had all the makings for a perfect relationship. So it's not surprising that they married in August of 1990 and would have four kids over the years. If you look at early photos of the Harrises, you'll see a pretty perfect-looking family, a happy couple with four beautiful kids. To top it off, this family lived on a 252-acre estate. Just imagine this. In the center of a beautiful, heavily wooded area sits a picturesque home, complete with open fields for the kids to play and a private lake. According to a former nanny for the Harrises, it really was a fairy tale existence. But this was not always a perfect or happy marriage, and Michelle Harris eventually wanted out. Over the years, Cal became more and more successful. The millionaire businessman spent his days running the six car dealerships that he and his brother owned. All the while, Michelle was at home as the primary caretaker for their four children. For all intents and purposes, this was a happy and healthy family. Now, that's not to say there were never any disagreements. That's not unusual for a married couple. But Michelle told friends and family that Cal was very angry and controlling. The marital fights began to escalate. In 1996, for example, Michelle made a phone call to her sister-in-law, Mary Jo Harris, who's married to Cal's oldest brother, Steve. Now, this was not an ordinary call because Michelle was in a closet, whispering that Cal was downstairs racking a shotgun. Quote, she was very afraid, Mary Jo said. Cal's sister-in-law also remembers a comment Michelle said Cal had made. If I was going to kill you, I wouldn't use a gun, and they would not find your body. Chilling. And then in 1999, Cal started having an affair with an employee at one of his car dealerships. Michelle found out, and the marriage crumbled. By October 2000, Cal and Michelle were no longer sleeping together. Cal slept upstairs, and Michelle slept downstairs in the living room. In December of 2000, Michelle took steps to obtain a divorce. She also made it very clear to Cal that she no longer wanted to be married to him. Cal didn't respond very well, resulting in a heated argument on December 8th, 2000. These dates are important, remember. While this argument was taking place, Shannon Taylor, who's married to Michelle's brother, Greg, called the Harris house and overheard this conversation between Michelle and Cal. Shannon says she could hear Michelle screaming at Cal, Get away from me! While Cal screamed back, Get off the phone! Hang up the phone! Taylor also recalls that when Michelle tried to leave the estate, Cal prevented her from doing so by parking his car in front of hers. Within a month, the divorce summons was filed. In April 2001, an order of protection was issued by a family court. And Michelle's lawyer asked a judge for things like exclusive possession of the estate, custody of the kids primarily, attorney's fees, and spousal support. 
While the divorce process ran its course, it takes a while, in May 2001, the judge ordered Cal to pay $10,000 in attorney's fees. In June of 2001, the judge determined that Cal should cover all the expenses of the household, like the mortgage, groceries, bills, etc., and should provide Michelle with $400 a week for spending money and pay to have the house appraised. So a lot of things were on Cal's shoulders. All of this just added pressure to an already tense situation. Cal didn't want a divorce, and he'd made that clear. But Michelle moved forward anyway and was now making sure Cal was on the hook for a lot of expenses. In July of 2001, Cal reacted to that pressure. Jerome Wilchinski, Michelle's hairdresser, recalls that Michelle got a phone call from Cal while she was getting her haircut. Michelle tipped the phone so that Jerome could hear Cal yelling and threatening Michelle. Drop the divorce proceeding. I will f***ing kill you. I can make you disappear. Jerome remembers Cal saying. Yet again, Michelle did not waver in her desire to get a divorce. So Cal Harris tried another approach. This time, his attorney sent a settlement proposal to Michelle to the tune of $740,000, hoping to end the heated divorce proceedings once and for all. And this was in August of 2001. Now, at this point, it's easy to assign Cal the role of the villain and Michelle the role of victim. But Michelle was not just a sufferer in all of this. At some point after finding out about Cal's affair, Michelle started having extramarital affairs of her own. One such affair was with a man named Brian Early. Brian met Michelle Harris in the fall of 2000 at a bar in Nichols, Tioga County. At that time, Brian, who was 23, was visiting from Philadelphia to go hunting with family and friends. Michelle was a 35-year-old mother of four. The relationship became serious pretty quickly, and he moved to Tioga County in the summer of 2001 to be near Michelle. She also started working nights at a restaurant and a bar called Lefties. She didn't need the money, and yet she decided to work at what some would call a seedy bar and hung out with a questionable crowd and was possibly involved in drugs. Maybe she just had too much pressure. Maybe she just needed a break every now and then. Or maybe she didn't want her life anymore. No matter what, though, it's clear that her lifestyle was not exactly, shall we say, demure. So here we are now in August of 2001. Cal Harris has just sent a settlement offer to Michelle, offering a sizable amount of money. And he's clearly not thrilled about getting a divorce. Maybe because he still loves his wife and wants to keep his family together. Or maybe he just doesn't like the loss of control over his money, potentially his kids, and his soon-to-be ex-wife. And then there's Michelle. She's had relationships with younger men. She's working at a bar at night, and she's hanging out with some suspect people. All of this brewing into the perfect storm, the perfect storm that would come to a head on September 11, 2001. Another plane just flew into the second tower. This raises... This has to be deliberate, folks. I remember exactly what I was doing on September 11, 2001, and exactly who I was with, and I'm sure you do too. The nation watched in horror as two planes flew into the World Trade Center and a third plane flew into the Pentagon, and a plane went down in a field in Pennsylvania. While the country was mourning for lives lost, a mystery was afoot in Tioga County. For Cal, this is the last time he saw his wife. For four small children, this is the last time they saw their mother. And for a small town and the surrounding areas, this is the day on which a years-long mystery began. 
Like the rest of us, Michelle had mourned and worried about the events that took place on September 11th. She also had to go into lefties for an evening shift. According to Michael Casper, who had a sexual relationship with Michelle Harris from April to June 2001, Michael, Michelle, and another employee had a drink in Lefty's Bar after finishing their shift at 9 or about 9.30 that day. So Michelle left work around 9.30 and stopped at Brian's house on the way home. According to Brian, Brian Early that is, at around 11 p.m., he walked Michelle back to her van and he gave her a kiss goodbye and she drove off. From that point on, there is no clear story on what happened to Michelle Harris. One theory is that she drove from Brian's house to her house, arriving home at about 11.30. Cal, in an effort to take back some control in his life, killed her in their home while their kids were sleeping. And so the theory goes that Cal incapacitated and killed Michelle and then disposed of her body in the span of about eight hours. Given the nature of Michelle and Cal's relationship, it's not surprising that Cal was one of the first persons of interest, and the family estate was an obvious place for investigators to look. What the police found was blood splatter in the garage and kitchen. To be exact, there were six drops of blood on the kitchen doorway, more drops on a kitchen throw rug, and on the garage floor. Add this blood in with Cal's previous threats and anger issues we've talked about, and some argue that this equals murder. Granted, Cal was not a perfect husband, and Michelle was not a perfect wife, and they had their fair share of extreme issues. But does this create a murderer? A theory I can't help but consider is that Michelle Harris had had just enough with her current life and wanted to make a fresh start somewhere without any responsibilities. Most people close to Michelle knew that she had some jewelry with her and that she was trying to sell it. And some estimates put the value of this jewelry at about mm, 15000 This jewelry has never been found. Could this be her fresh start? Maybe she sold the jewelry and left everything else behind with a good chunk of change in her hand. On September 12th, a farmer named Kevin Tubbs drove his hay trailer along the road that the Harrises live on. He drove slowly because his vehicle didn't have brakes. Kevin claims to have seen a blonde woman at the end of the Harris driveway on September 12th, a blonde woman he believes to be Michelle Harris. By his account, Michelle Harris was alive and well on the 12th, which makes you at least wonder about where she went after Kevin saw her. And what about other people? Is Cal Harris the only one with a motive to kill Michelle? What about Brian Early? He was a young guy when he was involved with Michelle, 23 to be exact, and by all accounts, he was completely head over heels in love with her. He left everything behind in Pennsylvania to go live near Michelle, and he'd given her $5,000 toward a down payment on a house, a house he thought he would be moving into with Michelle. He's thinking this will lead to marriage. Meanwhile, she's having a relationship with another man while involved with Brian. Maybe Brian didn't like it that he was completely invested in a future with Michelle. All the while, she seemed to be looking just for fun. Maybe he followed her from his house on September 11th, they had an argument, and he killed her. Whichever of these theories is the truth, what we know is that about 7 a.m. on September 12th, Cal called Barbara Thayer. Now, Barbara Thayer was a Harris nanny at the time and also considered herself a friend of Michelle's. Cal asked Barbara if she could come help him get the kids ready for school because Michelle had not come home, which, despite Michelle's lifestyle, was apparently unusual. 
As Barbara arrived at the estate, she noticed that Michelle's minivan was abandoned with the keys still in it near the entrance of the property. Barbara says that just eight days, eight days after Michelle disappeared, Cal asked her, and I'm quoting Cal now from Barbara, to remove all of Michelle's stuff from the house and that pictures of Michelle were taken down. Mind you, this is eight days after she disappeared. Many question Cal's practical and cold response to his wife not coming home and say it's a sign of him not caring. Or even worse, his response could be a sign that he knows she's not coming back because he killed her. That's why he removes her stuff and has her pictures taken down. That's certainly one way to look at it. But it might also just be that he knew Michelle had a boyfriend and he figured she had stayed over and left with him. As you can see, this is a story with a lot of nooks and crannies, a lot of twists, and a lot of unanswered questions. Michelle Harris has been missing for over a decade now. And despite all the years and extensive searching, neither a body nor a weapon has ever been found, which has left a lot of people close to Michelle and the authorities with questions as to what happened to her. In Wheel of Justice, the Cal Harris story, I'll introduce you to the blood experts who say there was a blood spatter found in the Harris family estate and that it's Michelle's. I'm going to consider whether or not Michelle Harris was really murdered. Was it her husband who did it? And if so, what was his motive? The prosecution doesn't have to show it, but we want to know it. I'll also consider the idea that maybe she just wanted to leave her current life behind and start anew. And I'll look at the witnesses who changed the course of this case and politics involved with big cases in a small town. In each episode, we'll follow the characters through this mysterious plot, complete with a wife and mother who vanished, leaving few clues behind affairs, and a powerful and wealthy family. We'll follow this story wherever it may take us in hopes of shedding some light on the disappearance of Michelle Harris. Now, what do you think? Does an unhappy marriage and an imperfect husband equal a man capable of murdering his wife and the mother of his four kids? Or is Michelle Harris just missing? There have been three trials that have attempted to answer these questions, so far without success. So I need your help, listeners. Do you see something I don't, or do you have questions? Do you want some clarification? If so, please let me know. To do that, use hashtag on both Facebook and Twitter. Use the hashtag Wheel of Justice. Now, it's not wheel, W-H-E-E-L, like a rolling wheel. It's W-I-E-H-L, my last name, W-I-E-H-L. So go to me at Wheel of Justice and tell me what you think. Till next time, I'm Lise Wheel.